The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Internet of Things with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to shake up the status quo in your company's future with totally new sources of information that will change the way you run your business. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. If you want to run with the Game Changers, you are absolutely in the right place. We always say it and we always mean it. I have a buzz quote from a website called IOTTechExpo.com from last October. Let me read you the quote. As the Internet of Things creates a fourth industrial revolution, smart manufacturing is making waves across all industries. I don't think I could have found a more loaded statement, could have found a more loaded statement for our introduction today. Of course, you're listening to Internet of Things with Game Changers, so we know that. Fourth Industrial Revolution, you may have heard us talk about that before. The key phrase here is smart manufacturing. So let me tell you a little bit more. The Internet of Things, along with other great tech innovations you've heard of, of course you've heard of blockchain, of course you've heard of machine learning, of course you've heard of AI, artificial intelligence. We talk about them all the time here on Game Changers. These are giving manufacturers exciting opportunities for digital transformation and you've also heard us talk about that extensively. How is this happening? Well, it's all helping manufacturers automate their processes. It is helping them connect things with people and processes. What does this do? It collects data, it exchanges data, gives more information, and if you have the right analytics, gives insights. The IoT Internet of Things is also improving the speed, the efficiency, and the quality in how goods are made, distributed, serviced, and refined. That's what we want from our manufacturers. It's also helping the manufacturers from a business perspective create new business models so they can run live across the supply chain. All I can say is these are exciting times for manufacturers. And we have an exciting panel today. In just a moment, I'll introduce you to two esteemed thought leaders on this topic, and we're going to together learn a lot from them. In just a moment, I'll introduce you to Marty Groover. He is leading the SAP co-innovation project in the business construction products area of Caterpillar. You've all heard of Caterpillar. And joining him on the panel is SAP's Tanya Ruckert, President of IoT and Digital Supply Chain. And her title hits all of the sweet spots of what we're going to be talking about today. So I'm pleased to welcome Marty Groover. And Marty, we always ask our panelists for an interesting, provocative, and inspirational quote. And Marty sent me a quote that I couldn't find anywhere online because it's from his own personal experience. So Marty apparently was in the Navy with a gentleman named Captain James L. McLean, a U.S. Navy, enlisted in 1964, graduated from the Naval Academy and commissioned in 1970. That's all I'll tell you. Here's the quote. Marty will explain what it has to do with our topic. McLean said to Marty Groover, Ensign, I'm pretty sure if you don't turn the ship, you will not get any closer to your new destination. Marty Groover, real pleasure. How are you? 
Uh, great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's a pretty good quote. I was a young ensign on the, the bridge of a ship, and we were doing uh, ship maneuvers uh, with a captain. And he's a crusty old captain and had a certain way of talking to people to get your attention. And I'll tell you, with a profound statement that he made to me, I never forgot it. I was trying to come up with the perfect solution, the best course to drive over to our new station. And as, as I'm driving the wrong direction and I'm still trying to come up with the perfect solution, he finally lost his patience and, and gave me that statement. And I turned the ship right on the moment that he told me to do that. And then I did figure out the right station. We got over there. But what, that, what I've used my whole career is, for sure, you're never going to have the perfect solution. And sometimes you've got to get progress over perfection. And I think in the IoT environment right now, there's so many things out there. you just got to start doing something. And you'll figure out how you're going to get there. But if, if you definitely start doing it now, you're going to get the benefits quicker than if you just sit and try to come up with a perfect solution. So I thought that was a good uh, a good quote to help us think about what we're talking about today. It's a wonderful quote, Marty. And um, do you still keep in touch with uh, Captain McLean? Is he still a captain or did he retire? He's retired. And I still keep in touch with him. He's, he's a, definitely somebody I keep in touch with him in my past. A lot of great mentorship from him. Isn't that wonderful that, that somebody makes such an impact on your life? I have a question for you. What you've already said about this urgency, maybe there was a little subtext of fail fast, fail often, although you don't want to do that when you're steering a ship. In manufacturing, you're saying don't wait for that perfect moment. Don't wait for that convergence of the stars aligning. Do something. We're talking about digitization. We're talking about innovation. We're talking about manufacturing. Do you think, Marty, somebody listening to the show today who's a manufacturing executive or a or a, a factory owner, do you think they're going to say, what is he talking about? What, what do you mean digital transformation? Or you think they're going to say, yeah, Marty, we got the message. You're absolutely right. You're right on it. What, what do you think? Are they, is this a wake-up call or is this a reminder to them? I think everybody's feeling the pressure. Obviously, you've got to figure out for your business what the right thing is. Uh, that you need to do to drive business transformation. If you really talk about digital transformation, you can probably go into a ditch pretty quick. There's a lot of technology out there, really hard to understand what to do. I think you just got to take simple solutions, maybe use tools you already have, but start trying to drive live data and and drive it, empower the people with the data, at at least in, in my field, manufacturing. Those people on a shop floor do the job every day. Get the power in their hands. And you'll start seeing the benefits and you can start filling in where you, you don't know, you don't have all the answers, but you got to start doing something for them. Thank you. Get off that. Get off the dime wherever you're sitting and get started. Thank you, Marty. Pleasure to meet you and thank you for joining us today. And now I'm very pleased to also welcome Tanya Ruckert, president of IoT and digital supply chain at SAP. And Tanya has sent us a wonderful quote from Yoda. Tanya, we love movie quotes. This is a good one. We've never had this one before. Uh, Tanya, may I read the dialogue and then get to the quote? Is that okay with you rather than just dropping the quote? Is that all right? That's fantastic. Okay, so this is from Yoda, Star Wars Episode Five: The Empire Strikes Back. Everybody knows that. So this is a dialogue between Luke and Yoda. I'm leading up to the quote. Luke says, I saw a city in the clouds. Yoda, hmm, friends you have there. I do a very bad impersonation. Luke, they were in pain. Yoda, it is the future you see. Luke, the future? Will they die? Yoda, difficult to say. Always in motion is the future. And those last six words were the ones Tanya picked. Always in motion is the future. So officially welcome, Tanya. How are you today? 
I am fantastic, and I would love that we have already space travel right now. As um, I, I need to apologize for some background noise. I'm in an airport, and this flight is delayed, massively delayed. And with Internet of Things, this will hap- not happen in the future. But let's go. <laughs> very, very yeah. well. I like the way you tied that in, Tanya. So tell me about this quote. How did you pick it? And what does it have to do with our topic today? Oh, Smart manufacturing. Yeah, Bonnie. Bonnie, thanks for asking. While we will talk about like what Marty started about manufacturing and so on, I'm a big, big fan of Star Wars and Star Trek. And, and it's true. The future is always in motion. I think change is the only constant we right now have in the world. And the pace is increasing. So it gets faster and faster. It's accelerating. We sometimes don't even know, oh, what is the new technology trend which is coming around the corner? Is it now blockchain? If, if it's virtual reality, Internet of Things is already going down the hype cycle again. And we need to be ready. We need to have a flexible, adaptive, ready-to-change-immediately enterprise. And it should be further. It should go to prediction. We should be... And it's not only software. This is whole setup. It is a workforce. So think about what happened in the past. I think our kids don't even know what rotary phones are. And when you now look at the communicators, what Star Trek, they already predicted it some time ago. So if you look at science fiction, I think... Some of the things we see there are the, con- the normal for us now and uh, the normal maybe we're not for our grandparents. So motion, the constant change and um, always in motion is the future. I think that's reality today and that's why I picked the quote and while I love Yoda and Star Wars. <laughs> I think everybody does. That's why it was a, a wonderful quote. Tanya, I'm going to ask you the same question I asked Marty a moment ago. Is this a wake-up call for manufacturers? How, are they, is there anybody who hasn't heard of the Internet of Things or the IIoT or a blockchain or artificial intelligence or machine learning in the manufacturing field in all industries around the world? What's your thought? Yeah. I believe it's absolutely a wake-up call. Often it's also called in some countries Industry for All because it shows that it's a fourth revolution of manufacturing, digitization of manufacturing. And I think the difference to before is that for the first time, we have real-time visibility of the data. And you have it in the moment when it's happening. Before, we always had it after the fact and try to correct, do corrective action. And the next thing is that machines are not stupid. Yeah? They're getting more and more intelligence. They will talk to each other. We need to manage this. We need to decide how much action, how much decision... We leave up to the machines directly how much decentral intelligence we allow and how much need to be still managed also centrally. So it will increase the level of automation. It will allow that we come to personalized, individualized products at a mass production scale. So it's revolutioning um, the whole manufacturing industry. Thank you very much. So all of you out there have been warned by Tanya as well as Marty. You've got to start cheering that ship in the new direction or you're never going to get there. There you go. So we only have two panelists today, but as I told you, they're very smart, and this is definitely their wheelhouse, if you will. So I'm going to circle back to Marty Groover. And, Marty, I have a couple of rather personal questions for you. Number one is where are you calling from? And number two, because this comes under the banner of our Coffee Break with Game Changers flagship series, which we do on Wednesdays, I ask all my panelists, what are you drinking right now if you love it? If not, what would you rather be drinking that makes you really, really smile? Marty, and I have a wonderful smiling picture of you right here in front of me. So what kind of drink would put that smile on your face? Marty? Well, I recently moved from Kentucky to South Carolina, and we're in the process of moving, so I'm, I'm actually calling from South Carolina. I rented an office, and I'm in the middle of my move. But while I was in Kentucky, 
I started to get into the culture there. And one thing I found interesting is how in 1963, the people that make bourbon had enough time and somehow got a law made that tells you exactly how bourbon's made and how they've leveraged that recipe and that law over all these years to make a bunch of money out of stuff that's corn, water, and some uh, rye in different mixtures. And, and it's amazing, the bourbon business, and how it's, it's really blown up and how much money's being made with it and, and the demand for it. So I find it uh, interesting after being in Kentucky, learning more about it, that bourbon is a pretty fun, uh, fun thing to learn about. Very interesting. A law? Seriously? A law? Yes. It's a law. (laughs) How bourbon can be made. The percentage of corn. The barrels can only be used once. It's an amazing story. And a lot of these distillers are really digitized, too. Uh, They've got a lot of IoT going on making this this stuff, but it's amazing, the demand for it. And it's just an amazing story, the generation of uh, how they've done it over the years since 1963 to turn it into this kind of industry. Very interesting. Some people just take it that seriously. A law. <laughs> Marty, you just sent me back here. Uh, uh, we have so many laws on the books that are archaic. This sounds like one that should be around. It sounds like one that people will respect and say, ah, I know I'm getting it's the like, real thing. It's like a Mar- German purity law. And you know something, Marty? It reminds me of the spirit of blockchain. We've done a couple of shows on blockchain saying that you will know the provenance, the journey of any product, anything from the time it left one person or one manufacturer's hands to, and even with money, you'll know exactly where it went from point to point to point until it got to you. So that sounds like that law has the spirit of blockchain uh, transparency. What do you think? Absolutely, especially when you look at how the government's involved with it. They uh, they definitely keep track of where the uh, money is so they can tax it. So it's tracked through its whole process. Oh, that's funny. Thank you. I'm not a bourbon drinker, but I might have to start. I'm moving to might North Carolina. So, so, yeah, maybe I will. Do they allow it across state lines? Don't even say anything. They do. Thank you very much. Tanya, we're having, having too good a time here. Tanya, rumor has it you're in an airport somewhere. I think you told me that. So maybe we ask where you're flying to from where. And Tanya, what's your favorite, favorite drink that makes you smile? Because I also have a wonderful smiling picture of you here. So, Tanya? Yeah, thanks, Bonnie. Yeah, I'm at an airport and I'm in Brazil. You can say sunny dancing Brazil. And we yesterday opened an FEP Leonardo Center here where we do co-innovation with our customers in all sorts of new technologies. And Brazil, I think, uh, is fantastic. I'm not sure if you ever have been here, but it was always my favorite country. I wanted to go on vacation and now I even can combine it with business. So, And it um, fits very nicely to my favorite drink because what is a... Maybe, Bonnie, I ask you... What is the most well-known drink in Brazil? Do you have any idea? Uh, I, I want to say sangria, but I know that's wrong. That's probably Madrid. I don't have any idea. What do they drink, Tanya? Caipirinha. <laughs> so, oh, my, my goodness. My absolute favorite drink, and it is it, it was it, it uh, at least since I'm allowed to drink Caipirinha, and I think it's because it, it combines, it's fresh, it combines also passion, yeah, it's a very social drink, so if you have other colleagues also have a caipirinha, you immediately have a discussion. And here in Brazil, I was at an event yesterday evening, and I learned it's not always done the boring way we do it sometimes in Europe um, with, with lemon and brown sugar. They, I had yesterday one with strawberry, pineapple, and ginger, and I tell you, mind-blowing. So, back to you. 
I have to tell you, sometime, you know, we usually have three panelists on these Game Changers shows, but I, I don't want to say anything to our other sponsors who work so hard to bring three to the table, but sometimes we get somebody like Marty and Tanya who just, we're all playing very well here, and I really appreciate, especially the sense of humor. We're supposed to be having a serious conversation, so Tanya and Marty, stop making me smile that much. I, I would appreciate that. Now, you know what? The time has come now for us to take a quick break, so uh, Tanya can have a sip of whatever's available right there. And Marty, no bourbon till after the show. So I'm just going to tell everybody, we're talking about a very important topic for manufacturers. This may indeed be a wake-up call if you haven't embraced digitization, digitalization, if you aren't innovating, if you're sitting still saying, we've always done it this way and it's going to be good enough. The answer is no, it's not. And you're going to find out why in the rest of the show when we get into our roundtable in earnest with Marty Groover at Caterpillar and Tanya Ruckert at SAP. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, and as always, I'm only drinking water because they don't let me anywhere near caffeine on radio show days. And Tanya, I think you know why. Our topic is IoT, the Internet of Things, making manufacturing smart. And I think we could paraphrase that to say making manufacturers smart so they can make their manufacturing smart. I think I'm going to add that into a a tagline or redo the title of the show. So we're going to take a 90-second break. That's all. Not a lot of time, but go get something that refreshes you. Don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. We will be right back, I promise. Kevin, out. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. The pace of innovation is moving faster than ever, and the future of business will be defined by how quickly business leaders adapt to accelerated ongoing change. Insights from totally new sources of data, sensors that capture and share what is happening in your business environment, and the tools to understand it and act on it. These are shaping the definition of future success. Join our experts as they analyze and discuss how business leaders can shape the future of change. Internet of Things with Game Changers is presented by SAP. Visit www.sap.com. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between, discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Internet of Things with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Internet of Things with Game Changers. Welcome back, and we're talking about IoT, the Internet of Things, making manufacturing slash manufacturers smart. That's a good thing. We're talking today with Marty Groover at Caterpillar. Marty, why don't you tell me just to drop about what you do at Caterpillar? You have quite a history with the company before we get into your your first roundtable topic. Marty? 
Yes, so I retired from the Navy in 2007, came to work for Caterpillar, started out as a manufacturing engineer, uh, worked with one of our older uh, ERP systems, AS400, so I went from SAP in the Navy to that system, and then hmm. so it gave me a perspective of what <laughs> the speed of live is, and I learned a lot about manufacturing while I was working, building large uh, bulldozers that we uh, build in East Peoria. And then I ran a factory after a while. Um, they put me in charge of that, and I did SAP Go Live there. So then, again, I learned the SAP system in manufacturing, which really gave me a great perspective on live data and what you really need to really produce good uh, results in a factory. And then recently I've been um, brought over to the building construction products um, business unit to drive this live factory uh, project that we're doing in Athens, Georgia. And we co-innovated with SAP in the last two years, developing these products so that we could go live. Several of the Leonardo tools um, and the cloud tools are live now in Athens. And so they brought me over to the business to help drive that transformation with the knowledge I have at SAP and the knowledge I have of the business really converging it into a, uh, in a live common operating environment. So it's been really exciting being part of this. Thank you, Marty. Good to get to know a little bit of your background. Now, I'm looking at your notes that you sent me before the show, and here's a very provocative statement. I'll read a little bit to just introduce and facilitate it. Then I'd like for you to spend a couple minutes telling us more, and then we'll invite Tanya to comment. So Marty says, the speed of retail is driving manufacturers to transition to live operations. We've seen many retail businesses go under recently, meaning shutter their doors, if we're talking brick and mortar, and possibly online. Regardless of what business or industry you're in, you have to think retail, in quotes, to drive the digital experience for your customers. Marty, that's a lot to embrace. Why don't you tell us more? Well, I think as you see the speed of, of retail happening, and there's been a lot of uh, results that are out there to show you where it's going. If you're in an industry maybe not as exposed to retail like we are with industrial products, but you're not starting to think retail, you could find yourself not having the latitude uh, in the near future of making those kind of decisions. So we're trying to think about how do we improve our customer experience because you should always be facing the customer. We also have uh, B2B customers with our dealers, and we want to improve that experience with them to help gain market share. But at the end of the day, inside of our factories, we have to think more retail also. How do we reduce our cycle time so that we have much more flexibility in our supply chains? How do we reduce the inventory, reduce the cost, but have perfect quality? I, I think these days, anybody that buys anything, the consumers and all of us expect perfect quality. And one bad quality event is a deal breaker for most of us. Uh, so that's, it's a whole new reality that just have to think differently and you've got to use these tools to drive those concepts so it's really not about the digital tools it's about what you want the business outcomes to be and how to give that customer the experience that they want that will keep them coming back and, and improve your market share and loyalty thank you very much it sounds like a big job by the way whose job is it to to embrace this speed of retail and make sure the whole process goes toward live operations and the ultimate customer which may be who may be way down the other end of the supply chain the recipient that's a big view that's a lot of insight marty whose job is this we have a team in our in our business unit that are fo- is focusing on it right now our vice president ken Halfling is is a visionary on this and he really understands that in order for our business unit, which is one of the a more retail business unit for Caterpillar, we have the smaller products that we make under 100 horsepower, things you'd see out in construct, smaller construction sites. 
and we have a lot of competitors. We're outnumbered eight to one brick and mortar. So we know that we can't create enough dealers to overcome that difference. We have to start using the digital um, channel to, to drive it, but we also have to fix the physical channel first. So there is a large team that's working on this together in the different verticals of the business, front office, back office, to create the digital thread horizontally through our business to support you know, eventually e-commerce capability, but then also how do you drive the verticals from the, the strategic down to the operational to really improve business outcomes. Thank you, Marty. And in general, let's take it all the way up to rolling it up to the the table in the C-suite. In general, whose who's job would that be? Is that the chief operations officer to, to um, look down and say, this is what we need to do to get to that end customer and make it a retail-like fast and high-quality experience? Whose job would it be in a general company? We have a large, um, we, have a, we're, we have a chief digital officer. In fact, they're in a search for a, a new one now. And we have a digital marketing group that's really looking at our connected products out in the field and, and providing customers uh, results from the connected products. Then inside the business units, this is really new, working inside the four walls of the factory to create the, um, the improvements. And we're kind of leading that in our business unit, but it's starting to expand in the other ones because we know We've been down in a down market for the last four years, and we've we've got to keep our costs down. Our our stock price is starting to peak up again because demand is coming in. We're doing better at Caterpillar, and we have to hold that line as uh, demand increases. And the only way we see being able to do it is to build that digital capability, that live data to help improve mm-hmm. the business outcomes into our factories. So there's really a lot of people that are involved with it, and, it, and part of it's customer-facing, and the rest of it's our supply chain digitizing it. Thank you very much, Marty. Tanya, lot to process there. Love your thoughts on any or all of what Marty shared. What do you think? Yeah, I think Marty hits the point, right? I think the ultimate currency in the digital age is positive feedback from customer and consumers. So the new customer experience, consumer experience in all different industries, when you now look at a train or airlines, it's passenger, passenger experience. If you are in healthcare, it's patient experience. So that you, we have, we are all consumers, right? Our expectations has cha- have changed, they have increased. We want to have the product immediately. We want to have it tailored to our needs. We want to have it individualized. We also, I think, shipment in an hour is, is a, it's a normal right now. And I think when, when you look at this, this is defining the entire value and supply chain, so all of the manufacturing. If you want to deliver immediately or within an hour time, you have to have a product production and manufacturing which is highly flexible. You know exactly where everything is, and it's highly automated. You also have deliveries of one. I think we also have countries where we already have drone deliveries. There are like also lot size of one, not only in manufacturing, but also in the logistics. And it's coming back. It's all driven by the currency of customer and consumer experience. Very interesting, Tanya. Um, let me ask you a question. Do you ever want, do you ever go to a, a company and say, yes, I want it customized exactly this way and I expect it in an hour? Is that, is that reality yet or is that wishful thinking, Tanya? Oh, at least for me, it's reality. And, and I, I just make an example. Um, I, my sister has a wedding. Um, oh, maybe I cannot share what, what I ordered, but I obviously wanted to order something which is tailored. To her and, and her new husband, and um, with, with some um, initials on it or other things. And I, I was, as always, late, yeah, as we are in business, and I wanted to have it kind of, I, I'm a little more um, patient. I said I want to have it the following day, 
but it's not like I wait for for a week or wait for two weeks. I think those times are over. And if you look at um, economies like in China, I think there it's normal that it gets delivered the next hour or the next two hours. And there also, I think you know that there are not only the Ubers for um, transportation of people, there are also Ubers for logistic service um, transportation. And maybe later on when we talk about manufacturing, we also talk about additive manufacturing, 3D printing, where we have companies who kind of build 3D printing farms now in cities that they can immediately deliver. And you have companies who are not only the third-party logistics provider, but they also become now manufacturer because they have a 3D printing farm. So it is reality. Is it already at scale and the new normal? Maybe not, Bonnie. Thank you. Very interesting. I'm I'm not at that point yet, Tanya, as a consumer, and I would be, uh, it's like, okay, can I have it in two weeks or 10 days? Pl- Gee, that would be great. I have to get with the program here. I have to take you as my new role model, Tanya Rueckert. I certainly will. Thank you for that. Marty, <laughs> anything you want to add? Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, so you are the perfect consumer for <laughs> all companies because you give everybody time. <laughs> No, no, just continue. <laughs> uh, no, I, you're you're right. I'm I, as as newfangled as I think I am. I'm I'm very old fashioned. Yeah. Well, I'm used to being told. Uh, funny story, Tanya and Marty. Just quick. Uh, I went to a party supply store about a year ago here locally, and they have a huge inventory. And I was looking for some masks, the kind of masks people wear at a masquerade party or a Mardi Gras, and they had two or three left and they weren't the right color. I was producing one of my original plays, a romantic comedy at the TV studio where I do my cable TV show and we couldn't have anything with green because of the green screen. The mask would have would have disappeared and looked really weird on the on the uh, the actors' faces. So I asked them when are they getting their next shipment of masks in? And I saw boxes piled high all over the store. It's a, a major party store, major brand. And they said, oh, we don't have any idea. They didn't tell us what's coming, but maybe next Tuesday you could come back. And I thought, are you serious? So, silly me, Tanya, I went back the next Tuesday, and there were more boxes piled in the back. And I said, did the masks come in? And they said, oh, we don't know. We didn't open the boxes. I'm not kidding. We didn't Crazy. open the boxes. I'm not kidding. This was less than a year ago. And long, on Long Island, we're not exactly, you know, in the boondocks here. So, what did I do? You know what I did. I, I went I'm on lo- curious if, are, if they will be still in business in five years. But let, let's I, um, not go I prediction. I seriously but. doubt it. And I said, what happened to your mask? I said, oh, well, summer camps are in session, and, and everybody's having color wars, and they all bought the masks, and we don't know when we're getting more in. So what did I do? I said, well, that's enough of that. So I was under a deadline. I went online, and I found a, an importer, and I bought the most gorgeous selection of masks, and they were delivered on Amazon Prime within two days. I think they came in one day, and they were perfect, more than I could ever have imagined, and much better than the ones that this local store carried. But in terms of wanting it, needing it, drone shipping, live production operations, inventory, Marty, you agree? Everything was, they just missed the point completely, yes? Yeah, I'm speaking of Amazon, I love um Jeff Bezos' letter that he sent to the shareholders uh, this year talking about day one and day two companies. And I think that's a perfect uh, example of the difference between a day one and a day two company. And and unfortunately, there's going to be a lot of day two companies if they don't uh, lean forward. Just all the stuff that Tiny talked about, those are all the things we're thinking about. How do we get ahead of that and beat our competitors to these digital realities that we all are, are dealing with? And the millennial generation 
they they have a totally different expectation on, on things. So even though we sell large construction products, those people that are starting to take over those businesses are going to expect that kind of service from an industrial machine. And so we've got a lot of work to do in the next few years to, to try to really uh, provide that service and take the market share that we want to have for that shareholder return. Thank you, Marty. And and I'm going to turn to a topic in Tanya's list here. Tanya, it's the first one you sent me. Let me read a little bit, and then you can expand. This is a, a – I don't think we've covered this yet in our conversation. You say connected products will enable new business models such as product as a service. Product as a service is when companies switch from selling the products they manufacture and instead – sell the output of those products. This means the customer and manufacturer are in alignment. Tanya, tell us more, please. Very interesting, uh, very provocative topic. Go ahead. Yeah, and I think provocative because you could, of course, just say I do things a little better and I have a higher level of automation and productivity or you do things differently and have personalization of your product or you use all the data you have now from things and from the customers and go to completely new business models. And the new business model is highly relevant in all economies, not only like in Brazil where we have an economy challenge, but it's about CapEx and OPEX. Yeah? Do I really mm-hmm. buy a product? Yeah? Do I really spend money on it? Or do I just pay for the outcome? Because what I want is I, I don't want to have this machine. I want to have what the machine produces. So let me make one example. I think there are companies who um, manufacture pumps or compressors but at the end, I, I really don't care if I have a compressor in my factory. I really care that I, hope, for example, get the compressed air, which I need for my manufacturing line. And so the new business model means, of course, you deliver it as a service. You make sure that you also do the inspection, that you do the remote management of this, of this compressor. And your customer only gets the service without paying this additional money. And this is a new business model, and it's often seen by those companies as an additional business model. They will continue to manufacture the compressors. They will continue to sell the compressors, but in addition, they only sell the outcome, the compressed air. Another example in, you know, maybe drill um, manufacturers, yeah, and, and while we all have drills at home, and um, you might have heard this, I think every drill actually only drills in a lifetime 16 minutes, and we pay a lot of money. Quite on, on average, and I'm sure a lot of the listeners here obviously drill for hours and hours, but on average, 16 minutes. Mm-hmm. And then on construction sites, you have luxury drills, which are $5,000, for example, and they disappear and so on. And so a lot of the construction companies have a high interest in kind of renting this drill or say, oh, I pay you by day or I pay you by number of holes and so on. And this is a model, pay as you use, which is more and more common in the industry. Fascinating. Marty, love to get your thoughts on this. The idea of a product as a service. What do you think? Definitely going that way. I mean, you look at our products at some point, you know, are we going to be selling mining as a service? You look at these large mining companies and the investments they put into these capital fleets. At some point, it, it would only behoove us to figure out how we can create that ecosystem around our products and, and drive the efficiency for our customers because we have to rely on the uh, the market swings that we deal with in a capital environment, maybe if we had tools that we can shift around and service a lot of different customers with the same uh, capital, we can reduce the impact to our business but also improve their outcomes. So there's a lot of discussion around those type of topics going forward for sure. 
Thank you very much. And, I'm going to... Bonnie, Bonnie go ahead, maybe to add, um, I yeah. think now is the time is right. A few years ago, um, I, I talked to a, a company recently. They shared with me a story that they tried to sell out product as a service, and it was a bottling, or they, they provided machines for bottling. And they said it was not the right time. They didn't have the remote monitoring. They didn't have the tools to kind of like a doctor. Um, we go to a doctor and say, assess our health and, and lifetime extension. That's what we can do for machines, right? Predictive maintenance and service and those topics. This was all not available as well as commercial agreements and that you also have service level agreements and so on. And those they started five years ago with product as a service and it failed because they kind mm. of gave their product to, to their um, customer and they didn't take care at all. They said, oh, it's all your problem. You have to come. You have to do the service and so on. And they paid no attention that the lifetime gets extended. And they, at, during that time, they didn't have kind of this virtual inspection, this virtual lifetime checking. So the time was not right. Now we have the technology. Now we have the openness. And we have the cost and margin pressure. So I think it's a fantastic time to start with product as a service. Thank you very much. And, and uh, Marty, forgive me, I'm picking one more topic right now. We'll go back to your list, but I found something here that is a good segue from what I mentioned about inventory checking. So I'm looking at Tanya's list. Tanya says, digitization will lead to virtual inventories and distributed on-demand manufacturing. Tanya, if you could just talk a little bit, you wanted to mention 3D printing uh, and, oh, spare parts and vast warehouses. And What is virtual in- inventories? What does this mean for manufacturing? Is this a good thing? Is this something that they're going to be able to get their arms around physically or virtually? What do you think? So I believe it's a good thing because there is a huge cost involved in the warehouses. And when you now think of instead of, of um, the warehouse of parts will be virtualized, and I think when a part fails, you have a, a replacement, which can be a 3D printed, yeah, close to the device. You might know that while we, I think, 3D printing is around 20 years already, and it never really um, uh, was used a lot. And now, as I think they have new materials, and also the price um, cost is lower, and the quality is much higher, now I think it starts to scale. And that's why we also now went into this business and said additive manufacturing will revolutionize the way we do manufacturing. It starts now with prototyping. It is already in the service parts business. But I, I predict that it will go even further because there are some materials that cannot be produced as one piece in a normal production, which could be manufactured as a 3D printed product. Or you also, if often in, in the aerospace, weight of a um, product is very important. And you can have different materials which produce at the end a much lighter um, product for, for the aerospace industry. And that obviously leads to when you have, for example, uh, 3D printing farm very close to your customer that you don't have to do it, produce it on stock and that you don't have to store it in the warehouse, that you kind of produce it on demand and immediately ship it and it's kind of a virtual inventory. That's what we mean with that. Fascinating. And, and last comment, sorry, buddy. Yeah. Um, last no, comment. go ahead. I truly, believe, <laughs> I truly believe that manufacturing will move in a network of manufacturing. It will be, you have the 3D printing provider, we have the manufacturer, it will be more distributed, not only globally around the world, but also several players um, will be in the network going forward. And they all have to talk to each other, and they, to a certain Mm -hmm. extent, also would be good if they share some data, which is a challenge. 
Thank you, Tanya. Great comments there. Marty, love to get your thoughts before we move on to something from your list. Marty? Oh, I couldn't agree more with Tanya. We're definitely going to have to go that way because you have to reduce your cycle times in manufacturing and distributive manufacturing is going to allow us to go more retail, as I discussed before. Automotive, uh, they have a six-hour um, build sequence that they send out to their suppliers, and we need to get to that. We, we can't waste uh, floor space storing uh, parts waiting to do assembly and, and fabrication. So I really see as it, it evolves, it's going to help really reduce the cycle time, which allows us to be a lot more flexible for our customers, a lot more customization, and reduce our, our costs. But another thing we see going forward with our customers is the ability to maybe to keep in touch with them better, to create another ecosystem where they can, almost like an Amazon Prime, buy into a, a service where they could you know, maybe use one of the UPS uh, printing hubs somewhere and just print off their parts when they need them and just pay for that as a service uh, to be able to work on their, pro- their machines out in the field. So there's a lot of business models that could come out of this, not just for manufacturing, but also for our customers. Thank you, Marty. Marty, I'm looking at your notes here. A couple of, I, I just found a lot of what you and Tanya wrote to me before the show. Very provocative, thought inspiring, and I appreciate that. I'm going to combine two of your statements, Marty, and see if, see if it's okay with you, if you could either explain them individually or put them together. First, you said, our machines are talking to us. Are we listening? Talking about integrating the physical world with the virtual and transactional world. That's one thing. And then you say, and this is what could have actually been a a quote in the opening, manufacturers must use IIoT to converge man, machine, and method. Marty, that's a wow statement. So any or all of the above, love to hear your thoughts, please. Well, our machines are talking to them. There's a lot of data in our machines. It's just siloed, and we're not using that data to create an an ecosystem that's going to drive a self-compensating supply chain or manufacturing chain. We're just starting now to tap data that's been there for a while inside some of our CNC machines to start predicting when failures are going to happen. But not only that, I want the machine to say, I started the process and confirm it inside of our ERP system, and I finished the process and confirm it to take the man out of the loop. And it's really merging. When I say man-machine method, and again, my, I think being in the Navy, I've been working with this technology for a long time, IoT. I didn't know it was IoT at the time, but all of our systems in the military measure, there's a system that runs it and there's a system that measures that you have to, and they're all self-compensating to uh, make fire control systems work um, on, on ships. In the factory, there's a lot of disconnect between the real world and the virtual world, meaning the ERP systems. By using these tools with operational technology and the IIoT, we can start merging these worlds together and you can see them live when things are happening. If I can get that kind of live data, and, we, and we've had several great examples of it recently with the new products we put in, especially Vehicle Insights has been something with SAP. We've seen a lot of power out of the people on the shop floor telling us, based on the data, that they can improve the process. And that's really what you want to see, merge a, a material handling piece of equipment with an operator and a process all in one screen and see that you're not meeting your requirements or you're not driving the most uh, productive process and you can start fixing it and it's constant improvement the data is there and people i think millennials are native to digital and they want to have that data in their hands and when you give it to them it's amazing what they'll do with it so that that's kind of what i'm focusing on in the factories right now is merging that physical world with the transactional world thank you marty tanya thoughts about this merging what do you think agree disagree what are you observing 
No, I, I agree. And maybe when you listen to Marty, you can understand why our project is running so well. He's a fantastic person. He's visionary, he's innovative, and he's pragmatic. So um, coming back to your question, I believe in the future we will see even more um, human and machines coming closer together. We already see it right now when you look at the robotics area. I think the fourth industrial revolution also happens in robotics. We have them already out of the cage, yeah? They have them um, sitting or standing next to the human, acting or working together on the shop floor. I think that's, that's already something what we see in many in many factory halls. In addition, you have this automatic moving vehicles, yeah, which are kind of self-driving vehicles where they bring whatever a spare part, one of the workers. So you have a, a close collaboration between the human workers in the factory and also different machines, yeah, which are either moving or robotic. And we will see that the, obviously the machines get more intelligent if they ever get so far that they are emotional or empathic, yeah, that we can um, talk to them in a different way. And we are getting better in understanding the machines. I think we have tools now. We have also, to a certain extent, there will be a common language. I really believe it. And the future will be a closer convergence and work, no, convergence, wrong word, working together um, between men and or people and machines, human and machine. Thank you very much. Is this scary, Tanya, this idea that we'll be working so closely with machines? As Marty said, we have to be listening to our machines. They're talking to us. Do you think this, is there anybody sitting on the fence saying, nah, this is too sci-fi for me. I don't want to do this. Or are they all saying, wow, this is so exciting. What's, what's the mood? Yeah, I think if you now only hear it or if you see it in a science fiction, I guess it can be a little scary. If you see it already in real world, the first pilots versus automatic moving vehicles are going through whatever automotive production, or you you are at one of the robotics companies and see how they really carefully and with a lot of security evolve the robots to the next era and how they can interact, then I think you get the confidence that this will work. And it's not kind of so scary science fiction where a machine take over the world. It, it will be uh, a together, it will be a human and machine, uh, machine interaction, and it will be controlled if we do it the right way. If we do it the right way, thank you. And that's why we're talking to you and Marty Gruber today. Tanya, I'm going to squeeze in one more quick topic here. I don't know if we'll have a chance to go around because I want to make sure you each get 90 seconds for your predictions in our crystal ball segment of the show, which is coming up soon. But I think we have been doing a lot of predicting already. So we'll, we'll cut down on the prediction time. Tanya, interesting in your notes, the last item you sent, you say increased transparency from connected goods will also impact and enable new business models for the insurance industry. This was a surprise to me. We're talking manufacturing. Now you're talking insurance. Can you link those two together for me, please? Yeah, yeah. One example, and, and Marty mentioned it, that we also have a lot of vehicles in the manufacturing industry. If it's an automatic moving vehicle, if it's a forklift in, in a warehouse, it's a forklift in a production site. And if you think that we can understand and, and manage fleets of vehicles or fleets of machines, fleets of forklifts, you see that we um, get the data, the telematics data from the vehicles. And if you now translate this, for example, into insurance business and you think of, of uh, driving a car and what, what is already possible today is that you, of course, understand when you're braking, if you're going too fast, and so on and so forth. And this information can be funneled back if you agree it's voluntary and it updates your risk profile. And, and what the insurance companies do is they 
pay as you drive, yeah, that, that they give you some bonus if you are mm-hmm. driving uh, well or if you behave well driving and don't go too fast and so on. And just maybe a few personal comments. I think when I, when I, when we discussed it first with the insurance company and also with the automotive manufacturer, I thought that obviously has a lot of positive things because if my kids get, get older, <laughs> I'm very happy to understand where they are, what they are doing, if they go too fast and so on. And then I, I, I when I was driving next time to work, I was going a little too fast and I thought, oh God, if now everybody <laughs> knows how I am driving, um, maybe this gets even a little too transparent and so on. So it is it's again a mixed bag, um, but it's also yeah. um, pay, pay as you drive. So if you're a good driver, it also gives you a lot of bonus and has a different business model for the insurance company. Very interesting. Um, Marty, love to get your quick thoughts on this. Any comments on how this flows into the insurance industry and benefits them as well? Thoughts? Yeah, that's a it's an interesting topic. Definitely people have in their um, a lot more transparency in their life. I think that's something that we all will struggle with a little bit as we go forward. Uh, I'm not sure I want the insurance company seeing how I drive, but I can understand if I want to have a lower rate and not pay for all the other bad drivers, it might not be a bad thing. There you go. Thank you very much for that. And now let's see what we're going to do. It's time for our crystal ball predictions round. I've got five minutes left till the end of the show, so I'm going to give you each a whopping 90 seconds, and that's a lot of time for predictions. Yes, we have five minutes left. So Marty Groover at Caterpillar, uh, great insights, and we'd love to know, what do you see uh, the proverbial statement, Marty, is coming down the pike or off in them are hills for the future of this topic anywhere between now and 2020, but you can go farther out if you prefer. IoT making manufacturing smart. What do we have to look forward to? Marty, 90 seconds, it's all yours. I think as it's a wild, wild west right now with all the products that are out there trying to understand which product to use. I mean, there's every name under the sun. They can do all sorts of things for you. <clears throat> but it, I think what we're going to see in the next few years is the convergence of these platforms. There's going to be platforms that are going to start building things like that, like Steve Jobs did 10 years ago with the iPhone. He's going to say, you don't know you need this, but you're not going to be able to live without it. I predict in the near term, there's going to be like Leonardo or other platforms like that that's going to come along. They'll make this platform and these applications, and pretty soon for manufacturing, it's going to be plug and play. And if you're not moving down that path now and thinking about how you're going to manage it, you know, deal with the security piece of it, the change management piece of people, and even thinking about your human capital strategy going forward with this new reality, you may not have the latitude to make those decisions in the future. So I think there's going to be a lot of companies trying to play catch-up that may have waited too long on this. It'll be interesting to watch for sure. It certainly will be, and I hope you'll come back and help us watch it. We'll have to do something later in the year or next year. Tanya Rukert, it's your turn. 90 yep. seconds. What do you see in that crystal ball? With Yeah, a whole 90. Well, you and, know what? And, and, I can give you two yeah. minutes. Two minutes, Tanya. Two whole minutes. Go ahead. <laughs> so I think uh, a lot of interesting, cool, unbelievable things will happen in many industries. And, and if we have one time, Bonnie, I would love to also discuss about healthcare, what it will do to us if we can do predictive maintenance kind of on, on people and so on. But let's for today really focus on, on manufacturing. We discussed that product, it moves to product as a service. If you go a level further, this means the cost of setting up new businesses will fall. And also the kind of organizations that have in the past been immune to from disruption because they are asset heavy will now be vulnerable to new players. 
And I think that's a little bit what we see. New players are coming up, others disappear, and the lifetime of uh, companies decrease. And product as a service will have a major impact on this trend. Another um, big trend, I think, is the move to 3D printing. I think we already discussed it slightly, but I think what it also will do, it will free up organizations from the necessity of having large physical warehouses of parts. So what we discussed, inventory will be virtualized, and it will be a, a global on-demand availability, which will change, again, the customer expectations, customer behavior, and the consumer behavior. And I think this is a big trend going forward. And I think the last one I would like to mention is this kind of this individualization, this personalization of products. I think think of companies who have 45 quadrillion potential SKUs. I think and this move to mass customization, and that's what it's called, personalized products in mass production. I think it means everything will move to a lot size of one. Everything will be customized to meet the customer's requirements. And so the default we had so far, maybe on a standardized product, will not be a default anymore. Thank you very much. Very, The whole show has been provocative with the two of you. Very inspiring and, and uh, call to actions, abounding with call to actions. Marty Groover, Caterpillar, thank you so much for your time. Tanya Rukert, you are traveling, and we so appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule to join us today. Wonderful conversation. So the podcast will be up in a little while. I'm posting it on Twitter at hashtag SAPRADIO. Shout out to Ira Burke and Tom Raftery at SAP for tweeting. And we also had some tweets from a couple of other people. If I can find Alexander Manafi, thank you so much for your tweets. Thorsten Camp, really appreciate that as well. They must be fans of yours, Tanya, I think so. And uh, Marty, it's been a pleasure. Tanya, it's been a pleasure. So here's Mike. Oh, shout out to Adam Mardini, Rujai, and Ira Burke for putting together this topic in this panel. Adam, you really knocked it out of the park this time, kid. Great job. So here's my call to action finally. And shout out to Kevin at World Talk Radio, our engineer extraordinaire and the business channel. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today, just like Marty Groover, just like Tanya Rukert, just like Adam and Rue and Ira and Kevin and everybody else. Have a great day. I'll be back at 2 p.m. Eastern right here on the Business Channel with a live episode of Think Big, Work Small with Game Changers. Great topic. We're talking about, look, Ma, I'm on video. Video marketing is affordable and easy for small businesses. Tune in, hear from some experts at Videolicious, and find out how. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Internet of Things with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again on Thursdays at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week. We'll be right back.